Hey everybody, this is Cindy Fish. You are listening to the At His Feet podcast. I want to invite you today to set aside your whirlwind of busyness and mental to-do list to have a seat beside me at the feet of Jesus. Now let's pursue Him together. Thank you for listening. Hello again. This is episode 36 of the podcast. Uh, We'd call today Leaving a Legacy. It is in honor of Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to every mom, stepmom, bonus mom, adopted mom, um, any kind of mom, mother figure, church mom, grandma, all of it. If you're wondering where you fit in that day, maybe it's a weird day for you. Um, If you look back to last year, it's actually not that many episodes ago because I had such a long break in between episodes, but I, I just did a Mother's Day episode and I just honored any woman who has an influence over someone else. And so you'll find yourself in that list somewhere if today's a weird day for you or a hard day for you, I hope you go and listen to that and just really feel where you fit. But for today, I'm going to talk about leaving a legacy. And of course, in my mind, it is leaving a legacy, a way to be remembered by my children, how I want to be remembered by my children. It is 100% scripture based though. Um, So it's anyone, even if you don't feel like you quite fit in that. I'm so careful about days like today. I don't know. I just know it can be hard for some and it's wonderful for others, but I know it can be hard for some. I am a mama and it's hard for me because of certain things in my life. So, um, so anyways, I'm always so careful about it. I don't want to be weird about it, but I'm careful about it. But I say that to say all of these words, just to say Whether you are a mom or not, whether today is your favorite day of the year or whether you just really don't like it, today's episode's for you. Everyone wants to leave a legacy. Everyone wants to be remembered in some kind of way. I hope that you'll listen and let this apply to your life today. The influencer-driven culture of our day of 2022 can have you feeling insignificant or unseen if you don't have X number of followers. I think it's in our nature to want to feel seen, at least in some way. Even if you don't even care about being seen by the masses, you for sure want to be known, seen, loved, thought well of by those closest to you. I know I do. But we have to consider what does it mean to leave a legacy? Leaving a legacy means putting a stamp on the future. Leaving a legacy means making a contribution to future generations. As a mom, I, I can think future generations. What's my contribution? What better contribution than three children that I get to raise and help form and, and with God's help mold into whoever he wants them to be to impact future generations. And I can do that for good or for bad. I can leave a positive impact on their future. I can leave a negative impact on their future. It's really up to me and it's a daily decision. It's the daily things. It's the small things that add up to your legacy. You know, people want to leave a legacy because they want to feel like their life has mattered. That's what I read on a a funeral website. (laughs) 
Um, that's not weird to me because I used to work in a funeral home. Fun fact, I used to work in a funeral home. So did my husband. And I helped do all the office work uh, for families that would come in. We would do our best to help tell the the one that died. We would do our best to help tell their story. I would prepare slideshows. I think the most beautiful thing about those slideshows was you got to see who that person was. It was so many small everyday moments that were captured in pictures and you could see all the ones that loved them, all the ones that they loved. You could see what it was they liked to do, what they liked to be a part of. You you could see them through the years as they grew, as they they were older, you know. I loved that part of that job. I cried every time I made a slideshow because life is so beautiful to me. But what I also read on the funeral website that I somehow randomly clicked in, I guess I typed in legacy, what is a legacy, all that maybe. And um, I read this. It said, once you know what you want your legacy to be, you can start building it. So for us as as Christians, as uh, probably most of you Christian women, um, and in a large portion, a mother, a Christian mother, an apostolic mom. Once we know what we want our legacy to be, we can start building it. What are the things that make a Christian woman remembered? I could go through all the attributes of the Proverbs thirty one woman. That would be something memorable. Just a few attributes, uh, virtuous, faithful, a woman of strength, a woman of endurance, where it says uh, she makes sure her dealings are profitable. Her lamp burns late into the night. She keeps going when everyone else is asleep. Charitable, giving. It says, verse 20, she extends a helping hand to the poor and opens her arms to the needy. Uh, One that's a provider, a woman that's a provider. Uh, That's a wonderful attribute. One that's well-dressed. She's dressed in fine linen and purple. A wife of a good husband. That's an attribute, it says. Honorable, wise, kind. She gives instruction with kindness. Verse 26. A good mother. Verse 27 says, She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Meaning she's on top of it. She knows what's going on under her roof. And she's busy and she's a worker with diligence, taking care of what's hers, what's been entrusted to her. I want to be remembered for that. She's praiseworthy. It says um, her children stand and bless her. Her husband praises her. One that excels, one that is, is man, beyond everyone else. I don't know that I fit that ever, but uh, verse 29, there are many virtuous and capable women in the world, but you surpass them all. Speaking of that Proverbs 31 woman. And she also has a great fear of the Lord. I could talk about that. Man, we could go on and on. Um, You know, charm is deceptive and beauty does not last, but a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. And the whole the whole, cha- the whole um, chapter is just praising this woman, this wonderful woman. I could, I could, we could go down the list, and it, it could be cliche, and we could talk about that, and that's wonderful, and it, and it's something we should strive for. To to that's what the word says about this wonderful woman. We should try to attain some of those things, but I don't have to be all of those things at all moments. None of us are. I can strive for some of them, and I should. But 
if I miss the mark on some of those things, man, I don't know that I burn the candle after or burn the midnight oil after everyone else is asleep. My kids go to sleep and sometimes I'm like, man, I'm done. I am clocked out. I am not working. I mean, literally right now it is 1145. Uh, my husband is out of town preaching and my kids are asleep. They've been asleep for a few hours and I should probably be doing the dishes. I should probably be unloading and reloading the dishes, but I'm not. I'm sitting here. So I don't really fulfill all of Proverbs 31. And maybe you do. And that's awesome. You are super mom. You are super woman if you do. But I know I can't check all of those boxes, but I still want to leave a legacy. I still want to be remembered well. I I want my kids and, and people that know me or have known me, you know, if, if, if the Lord tarries and I make it to my funeral one day, I want people to be able to say good about me. I don't want it to be empty words or, um, just normal funeral sayings, but I want to be a leg, leave a legacy. I want my kids to think of me well. And so as someone who misses the mark a lot, I might be the only one in the category. As someone who who fails, as someone who can't measure up to this beautiful, wonderful, perfect, wise business woman, Proverbs 31 woman, I have to look and I think, what what would my legacy be? What do I want it to be? And who in scripture can I pattern after? I don't want to be remembered by the times I've lost my temper or the times I've spoke out of turn, which I know is much too often. I don't want to be remembered by who I was before Jesus changed me. I'm sure you don't want any of those things either. If there's one thing though, that I want people to know about me or remember about me. More importantly, what I want my children, my family, those that know me well to remember about me or to think of me leads me to a woman's story that I read recently, an attribute of a, not just a woman, but of a person that Jesus said would be their legacy. Actually, I was reading a bedtime story in my son's little Bible, not the International Children's Bible, but it's a Bible book that just has Genesis to Revelation, like page after page after page of detailed stories through the Bible. It's, we love it so much because it tells more than normal children's Bible stories. Anyways, I was reading and it was, I even, I took a picture and screenshotted it and put it in my notes and said, this is for Mother's Day. This is I want is what I want, you know, um, just reminding myself. And the title was just Jesus was anointed. Actually, when I read this was leading up to Easter, leading up to Resurrection Sunday, we read all the stories that led up each, each, we'd read like page by page of this children's Bible of all the different stories that led up to the crucifixion or yeah, led up to Palm Sunday, led up to the resurrection, all these things when Jesus was anointed, uh, when he went into the temple and flipped the table, you know, all that. Um, we read all these cause I want my kids to know the full story. I want them to see the full picture. And so we do that when important things are coming or, uh, I try to make sure I'm every day giving them like a little bite of the story, a little bite of the word, because man, it can get so jumbled if they get it all at once, I guess. Well, I was reading then and I I read this page because it was a part of leading up 
to the crucifixion when a woman came and anointed Jesus. And when I read, it said, um, I'll even read you this little screenshot of the page. And it just says, and this is the language it uses. It says, Jesus answered, leave her alone. She has done a great thing for me. You will always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. By pouring this oil on my body, she has prepared me for burial. I tell you that wherever the gospel is told in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. So... I read that and I'm like, oh, legacy. Like, this is her memory. She's not even named in this story, but we remember her. And Jesus said, anytime the gospel is told, she'll be remembered because this is part of it. And so that's what I'm going to get into today. And obviously, the whole podcast is named At His Feet. And we started the series of the very, like, episode one, we talked about someone that found themselves at the feet of Jesus, uh, anointing their his feet, all this stuff, right? So we're going to talk about this, and I think, how well does this tie into? And I feel like I just want this to be my life story, and I'm sure you do too. There are four accounts, four reports of Jesus being anointed by women while he was on earth. But they, they come in there. It's really, it's four reports, but it's three separate cases and that I really, it took some reading because I've, I've read in different things, honestly, in Ezra's little Bible book, it started, it claimed that that one moment was three separate times in scripture was the same moment. But as I read and as I picked it apart, the, both the person who, who anointed the location where they were, and also what body parts of him they anointed, how they did it, the actual action, I found that there were three separate times that he was anointed. There's also one more attempted anointing. On the Sunday after Jesus was crucified, um, some women came to anoint his dead body with spices and ointments, but they couldn't do so because he'd been raised from the dead. And so there are three, three actual completed attempts of anointing Jesus by a woman. So the one that we're going to talk talk about is the anointing that took place two days before the Passover, which is two days before his crucifixion. And this is in two separate reports. So Matthew 26, 6 through 13, and Mark 14, 3 through 9. And I'm just going to read it. I, you know, I think the best way is to go verse by verse and we can just dig in. I don't have a whole lot of notes, but the story speaks for itself. Verse 3, I'll start here. This is uh, Mark 14, verse 3. And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious, and she broke the box and poured it on his head. Verse 4. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, Why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. This is such a similar situation than with Mary that we talked about in episode one. So to point out, some people do try to combine these, but personally, I don't believe that's the case. In John 12, it says that six days before Passover is when Mary anoints Jesus, and she was ridiculed for what she did. They literally said the same thing, you know, why, why would she spend so much? Like, 
why would she give this huge, costly spike nerd, this huge amount of, of costly spike nerd, of costly ointment, and break it on him and waste it on one person when it could have been, you know, soul, when it could have been whatever. It was so pricely. Pricely? Pricey? Anyway, so this one, though, uh, Mark 14 says two day after two days was the feast of Passover. So it's not the same timing. I'm sure we've all felt that at, at times misunderstood for what we're giving to God, whether that's our time, whether that's our finance, what it, whatever that is, um, our talent, our our life, our wardrobe, you know, if you maybe if you're a new convert or whatever it is, I know there's there's times in our walk with God where people look, others look and don't understand. They don't understand. Maybe they say you don't have to do that. Maybe they say, you know, all that's not required. Maybe it's, well, that's too far, that's too much, that's too radical. And if you've ever been there or if you're there currently where others are looking and they don't understand. I want to tell you Jesus's words here. It says there, it says they murmured against her. So it wasn't that it was just one person saying something. It was this room full of people like, what is she doing? This is wasteful. Just completely not understanding her, completely not understanding her. And she was, what she was doing was worshiping him. So here's what Jesus says to their murmurs in response to their murmurs and them not understanding and them questioning her. Jesus said, this is Mark 14, verse 6, and Jesus said, let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. Leave her alone. Do not bother her. She has done something good. You know, this is not the first time that someone doing good has been misunderstood by someone else. And even in the word, even in the the stories that we've talked about. So yeah, Mary in the the at his feet moment of um, anointing, she was misunderstood too. Not only then we talk about when we talked about Mary and Martha, their comparison and, and Martha's like, Jesus tell her, like, fix her because she's wrong. But he tells Martha, he says, Mary's chosen the good part. So it really doesn't matter who questions, who misunderstands. Jesus is very clear. The good part, the good work, as it's said here, is always when we're pouring out on him. It's always when we are focused on him. This room full of people or house full of people there at Simon the leper's house where they're eating a meal, this house full of people. But this unnamed woman was focused on Jesus and Jesus only. When we focus on him, when we forget about everything else around us, when we forget about what anyone else says, what anyone else thinks, and we just focus on serving him and pleasing him and worshiping him, that's the good part. That's the good work. Uh, here, verse seven, for, and Jesus says this, for you have the poor with you always. Whensoever you will, you may do them good. So it's okay to help the poor. There's nothing wrong with that. That's what he's saying. And then he says this, but me, ye have not always. Basically, I'm not always going to be with you. Verse seven, for ye have the poor with you always. So he's not saying it's it's bad to give to the poor. It's, he's not saying anything like that. He's just saying, hey, that's always going to be there. There are things that you could give your time, your effort, your money to that are always going to be there. And 
but it says, and he continues to say this, um, and whensoever ye will, you may do the, them good. You can give to the poor. There's nothing wrong with that. But me, you have not always. He's trying to tell them once again, hey, I'm not always going to be here. I'm not always going to be right in front of you. And for us, I feel that same thing sometimes. Like he's not always right in front of us. He's not always as close in, in certain times. And so when he is close, when he does step into the room, I want to give him my full attention because he's not always that close. He's always available. He's always accessible. I can always call on him and he'll always answer, but it doesn't always feel the same. So when he walks in the room, when he comes close, when he asks something of me, when he is within reach, I want to give him my attention. I want to stop everything else. Who cares who's there? Who cares who's looking? All of that. I want to give him my attention like this woman did. He continues here. Verse eight. She hath done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. She has done what she could. He there wasn't this grand thing that she had to do. All of them looked at it like it was this huge thing or like she was crazy. And she did give to him like sacrificially because of the cost of this ointment. It was a sacrifice of worship. But she just did what she could in our worship and in giving our life to God. He doesn't ask anything more than, than that. Do what you can. Look at your life. Look what you can give to him uh, in, a, in, a, in a service or every day. What, what can you give to him? What is reasonable for you to give to him? Whatever you have is what he wants. You know, as I say that, she did what she could. Man, I think of that woman, the widow woman in Luke 21 that gave the two mites. There's people all around putting rich, putting their gifts in the treasury. And, and Jesus looks and he sees a, a a poor widow woman giving two mites. And he says, truly, I say to you that this poor widow woman has put in more than everyone else, more than all for all of these out of the, out of their abundance have put in offerings for God. But she out of her poverty put in all the livelihood that she had. She did what she could. I'd say that's a great um, attribute to this woman's legacy, a great characteristic of this woman. I know I just skipped stories, but I am back at the woman who anointed Jesus's head for burial. She just did what she could. Jesus sees that. He sees what each of us have to give, whether it is time, whether it's treasure, whether it's talents, whatever you have, whatever you are steward of, God sees. He sees what you can give. He sees what you do give. And sometimes we look and I know for me, there's so many things that I wish I could do. There are people that are just beyond talented in so many areas. You know, those people that literally can do everything. I look at them and I'm like, man, I wish, you know, (laughs) and it can leave you, um, feeling less than at times, maybe even, you know, like I I talked about in the very beginning of the episode of being unseen or unnoticed, but what God notices, it's not always what everyone else is wowed by. It's doing what you can. It's giving what you have to give. And it might not be a lot. It might be like the widow, like, man, I've got nothing. I'm broke. Or, uh, I have, I have like point 
half a talent, 0.5, not even a whole talent. Whatever you have to give, though, if you give it to him, he's pleased. And it's worship. And I'll continue verse 9. He says this. He says, Verily I say unto you, Wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she has done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. What she did was so big. What she did was so important that Jesus said, Anywhere that the gospel is preached in the whole world, Through time, her act would also be spoken of, a memorial of her, a legacy, if you would say that, of her, a memorial, that by which the memory of any person or thing is preserved, a remembrance. She didn't have to be known to be remembered. She didn't have to be named to be remembered. All that we know is that she's a woman. It just says there came unto him a woman. We know what she gave. We know the way that which she worshipped. But we don't know anything about her. Different, The different stories of people anointing him, women anointing him, we know about them. There's the sinner woman that anointed Jesus, Luke 7. We know about her. The the Pharisee says he would, if he were a prophet, he would know what manner of woman it was that touched him. So we know about that woman. We at least know her story. Maybe we don't know her name. But we know that she'd been through some stuff. The other woman that anointed Jesus, Mary, we've talked about her. We know tons about Mary. But this one, this unnamed woman, this is the one that Jesus said what she did would be a memorial to her, be a memorial. Anytime the gospel's told, her story would be added. The Bible's lack of information about this woman isn't a deficit to the story. It's not that it's like has holes in the story or anything like that. As the reader, it's a benefit to us. How much easier is it to see ourselves in this story? Because we don't have any hurdles to jump over of the ways that this woman's not like us. Because this could be us. Without any description of her. I can easily see myself as her. And and the mark that she made on that day was part of her legacy. The mark that she made on that day, Jesus said would be a memorial to her. And so I can look at her story and I can say, that's me, uh, or it could be me, or what are the things that made her memorable? What are the things that made Jesus say that Hey, every time someone tells the gospel, she's going to be in it. She's going to be part of it. One, she anointed him for burial. I can't quite do that. Things that stick out about her. One, she didn't care what anyone else thought. You know, it didn't matter who was in the room. She was focused on Jesus and on what she had come to do. That can be my focus. Uh, If we lead back to Mother's Day as a mom, my focus from my day to day should be Jesus, has to be Jesus. I can't get wrapped up of the things of the world. I can't get wrapped up in the opinions of the world or the trends of the world. Any of that, uh, pop culture, headlines, whatever. I, I can't get wrapped up in those things because I don't want that to be my legacy or my memory or, or what's thought of me. I don't, I don't want my children to see that. I, that too, she gave something costly. What she gave to God cost her something. You know, motherhood is wonderful and beautiful and awesome and every good thing that I could call it, but it costs you something, especially serving God while 
being a mother, choosing to to show our kids Jesus, choosing to um, pray with our kids every night, choosing to try to be a godly example, choosing to try to hold back our words when they're not right or when they're not godly or when they're, you know, just ugly. It costs you something. Motherhood costs you. Right now it costs me sleep still. Um, (laughs) But no, motherhood costs you something. Motherhood is uh, being unselfish. Motherhood is giving of yourself to someone else. And when we do motherhood as ministry, which is what it is, which is what it should be, my ministry first and foremost right now is my children. And I don't feel slighted that I can't do certain things right now. For some people, they're set up the way that, you know, their support system and all that. Maybe they don't have to choose. But for me, three children on the road, my husband uh, out of pocket a lot. My children are first. My children are priority before giving to others, before giving of myself to others. I hope that doesn't sound wrong. If you know me, you know, I want to pour into others as much as I can. But first is my children. That is my main focus right now. And there's nothing wrong with that. My kids are young. They need me. So that costs you something. Motherhood costs something. And if I do it as unto the Lord, it is a costly worship. One time, oh oh man, I was at a very precious woman's house and she's an elder. She had been a pastor's wife for years and years and years, was now a widow. Her son is pastoring the church that she once pastored with her husband. She still goes there, still works the altars. She was absolutely precious. She cooked us breakfast. I have to share this. This is totally, I have to share it. She cooked us breakfast and she taught me a life lesson. When she cooked us breakfast, it was this like serious feast for us. I'm like, she should not even be cooking all of this for us. Like I was so just honored the way that she served us and she did not have to. After we had breakfast, the kid, uh, the kids were playing. I had Abby and Ezra at the time and I felt so bad being served the way that she did and also that she was washing all the dishes. And I thought, I was done with my coffee cup, and I thought, man, the least I can do is wash a couple of dishes, especially my coffee coffee cup. I just couldn't imagine just handing her this dirty cup and be like, here, wash it. No way. Like, at least let me wash my cup because she wasn't really letting me do anything. And I said, hey, no, sis, I'll wash this. And she said, no, this is my ministry. She referenced this verse in Matthew chapter 25, verse 40. I'll I'll read it to you. It's just a little snippet, but it is a life lesson in serving the Lord and especially in serving my family every single day. What she said was, um, she just said, As much as you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. But the verse actually fully says, And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, And as much as you have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it to me. And what she was telling me, she said, All through the years of my children growing up, all through the years of raising my family, I'd wash their clothes and I would say that to myself. Jesus said, as, as you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. And she quoted that, though, as she's washing my coffee cup. What a humbling thing for this incredible woman of God to say to me, um, but also something that I had to roll over in my head over and over and over, and I still do. She said, as I, as I did my kids' laundry growing up, as I folded their little clothes, I would, I would remind myself, as I'm doing this unto the least of these, unto these little children, 
It's like I'm doing it unto the Lord. And so everything that we do in serving our family, in serving our children, in the same way that we're doing it to them, for them, we can do it unto the Lord as if we were doing it for Jesus. And when you think of the mundane tasks of motherhood, we need that. We need that revelation as we're wiping snotty noses, as we're, man, fixing the millionth snack of the day, as as we are doing laundry and scrubbing counters and, and wiping the floors and, uh, man, cleaning out from under the high chair that has been just um, destroyed however many times a day for my uh, baby led weaning feeding baby. <laughs> as much as you've done it, at least of these you've done unto me. That's the heart I want to serve my family with. That's the heart I want to serve my children with. Um, this woman we've been talking about that anointed Jesus, she actually was able to do this to him. But for us, he's not always right there, right? I can't physically... Uh, break ointment on his head. I can't physically cook him a meal, but in the same breath, I I can serve my family well. I can serve my children well. I can love them well. And it costs you something to give of yourself day after day after day, but that cost is worth, worth it. And if we do it as unto the Lord, it is a sacrifice of worship and it's costly. Another attribute of this woman, sorry, I got sidetracked with that story, but oh, it was just such a precious woman. Of oh, She was so special, and it's something that she taught me, and I think of it all the time. So I thought it was fitting to share with you. I hope that's okay. My favorite thing about her, and one that totally applies to us every single day, Jesus said, why, why are you messing with her? Why are you talking to her? Why are you questioning her? She's done what she could. There were so many things that she could not do. There were so many things that she didn't have access to or couldn't do in serving God, but she could do this one thing, anointing him for burial. That's what she could do. That's what she had the ability to do. That's what she had the means to do. In mothering, especially in today today's world, I feel like obviously there's different struggles to every generation. As moms in this generation, I feel like we are overloaded with information. We are overloaded with rules and tips and tricks and must do's and don't do's. Um, I mean, it goes on and on. When you scroll Instagram, uh, you're going to see every, every hack, every tip, every trick. And I always think, How can we remember all of these hacks? How can we remember all of these, uh, like the cleaning Instagram pages? I like them because I want to be motivated, but I'm like, how can I remember all these little things? I'm just doing good to keep the floor picked up some weeks, you know? And, uh, man, we are, we are so just bombarded with information and pressure. Sensory bins. I love a sensory bin, but I do not have the time to do all the things that they do on some of those pages and in home decor, those that stuff, you scroll through that and you think, man, my whole house needs a remodel. And as moms right now, I feel like 
maybe not just as moms, as women, we are, we are so bombarded, but especially as a mother, there are so many things on us, pressure of what's best for our kid and don't miss it and don't fail and don't forget to do this because you don't want to cause permanent damage to them. And you know, all these things now we're, we're concerned with mental health and all that. And obviously we should be, I'm just saying it feels like a very daunting task to raise a child right now. It feels like the lists are endless of what we are expected to do and be and give to our kids. But Jesus said it about that woman. And in this point about her was is part of what made her uh, made this her story a memorial to her is she did what she could. She didn't do anything that was above her means. She didn't give anything that was above what she could actually give. She wasn't expected by God to do anything beyond what her capabilities were. She did what she could. And I know I have repeated that, but maybe because I need to hear it. And in mothering my three children, all I can do is what I can do. God doesn't expect as much out of us as we put on ourselves that expectation that we put on ourselves that doesn't mean be lazy that doesn't mean sit back and relax but it just means give it your best shot and, and do your best and love your children well and point them to Jesus and let him do the rest and i think here's a good place to stop happy mother's day i just want to remind you of that today you're not expected to do it all or be it all or have it all or give it all. You're just expected to be you. With God's help, you are the very best choice for your children. God has given your children to you on purpose. And if you rely on Him, if you lean on Him, if you follow Him, you don't have to live up to all the pressures. You just have to do what you can. You have to do your best and love them and serve Him, and teach them to follow your steps. Let that be our legacy, that we worship Jesus, that we followed after Him, and that we lived for Him, and we taught our kids to do the same. There are so many things that the world says we have to give to our children, but there is one thing That's that good part. It's teaching them to serve Him too. Teaching them to come alongside us in prayer. Teaching them to come alongside us in in working for the church and in loving others and serving others. That's the good part. Everything else can wait. Thank you for listening. Hope you have a wonderful day. I hope that something I said made sense today. Talk to you next time.